Amen. He is worthy. Amen. Open your Bibles tonight to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Our study is all about Jesus. The reason John writes this gospel is to tell us about Jesus on the very first day. And from then on, we have heard that the good news is Jesus. Well, let me ask this evening, what if you could know Jesus? And I mean really know him. What if, what if you could spend time with him? What if you could talk to him? What if you could watch him react to certain situations, things that would unfold in life that you could see how he responded? What if you could sit with him or eat with him? What if, what if you could hear him laugh? Can you imagine that? What if you knew Jesus like that? Do you know God wants us to know Jesus like that? Do you know in John chapter 17, verse 3, it says, it actually says eternal life is knowing Jesus. Jesus wants us to know him like that. Well, I want to tell you the good news tonight on this 20th night. I want to tell you the good news, and that is we can know Jesus. And the way that we know Jesus, it is not hidden from us. It is not some puzzle we have to assemble. It's not some mystery that's only accessible to a few folks. That's what the Gnostics were saying when John was writing. But we can actually know Jesus. And we know him through his word. Now listen to me tonight. That's not some sort of cop-out. That's not sort of some sort of cliche religious response. It is the truth. We know Jesus through his word. And I want to tell you, the more we know his word, the more intimately we can know Jesus. And so tonight, wouldn't you like to know Jesus? We can know him. We know him through his word. Well, tonight in our verses, we truly, sincerely see him. I believe that in our verses tonight, we're going to see his heart. We're going to see his motivation. We're going to see his love in our verses tonight. We can know Jesus tonight. And that is our goal in these verses this evening. Tonight we're going to be in John chapter 4, verses 15 through 26. John chapter 4, verses 15 through 26. Our message tonight is entitled, Jesus the One. Jesus the the one. Again, John chapter 4, beginning in verse 15, moving to verse 26. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. John chapter 4, beginning in the 15th verse. God's word says this. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. 
Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for this night. We're thankful for a Thursday night that we could gather, that we could sing your praises, that we could worship you tonight. We're thankful for the truth of your word, that you want us to know you, and that it's not a puzzle that we have to assemble, not some trick that you try to hold over us, but you actually reveal yourself to us through your word. Lord, I pray tonight we'd be good stewards of your word, that we'd be great students of your word, that we would take it in that we would listen, that we would be shaped, convicted tonight. And Lord, I pray that it would bear fruit, and I know that it will. Lord, I pray that tonight would be a supernatural event, and I, I, I pray every night, Lord, that you would supernaturally move in this night, on this 20th night. Lord, I pray that the good news would go out. I pray that the gospel would be held up. I pray that salvation would ring out tonight, that the angels in heaven would rejoice in this hour. As folks turn to Jesus Christ, Lord, empower that. I know it's your will. Lord, I pray as we begin to study tonight again that you would give us ears to hear, minds to perceive, and that you would speak to our hearts tonight. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, so far in John chapter 4, Jesus has traveled to the unlikely region of Samaria. He has stopped, the Bible says, wearied, tired from his travels at the well of Jacob. Now, it's about a mile outside of the town of Sychar. He has made his way there. It's about noontime. He is wearied. He is tired from his travels, and he has sat down there at the well of Jacob. The Bible says his disciples have gone into town to secure something to eat, to get something to eat. At this well, the Bible tells us he has encountered a Samaritan woman. She has come to this well, out to this place, to fill her water pot, her water vessel. He has told her in an ensuing conversation of the living water that he offers. Let me read verses 13 and 14 to you. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Well, tonight that's where we pick up. We left off there yesterday. We're going to pick up tonight here in verse 15. Starting tonight in verse 15, God's word says this. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. In 
Verse 15, she has heard of the living water. She has heard about the living water, but she cannot understand it. And so she is tired of making the daily trip. She is tired of the unending task of hauling water back to town. And so she says, sir, if I would never thirst again, give me this water. She hears, but she does not understand. Verse 16, he said to her, go, call your husband and come here. Three things. He said to her, go, call your husband and come here. All right, verse 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. Now, notice here, we're going to start to see something unfold in verse 17. In verse 17, she tries to quickly sweep the subject away. She tries to swiftly move on from the subject that Jesus has introduced. He says, go and get your husband. And very quickly, she says, I have no husband. Jesus says to her, you have answered correctly. Verse 18. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. In verse 18, there's a, there's a lot going on here, but in verse 18, notice, Jesus tells her what he could not have known normally. In his normal pattern, he shows up here. He wouldn't have known those things. And so in verse 18, he tells her what he could not have known normally. And now in his response, we see why she comes at odd times to the well to avoid the crowds. Now in his response, we see why she comes alone to avoid condemnation. Now in his response, we see why she travels far, passing the other wells, that she might stay out of the sight of others. And as we hear his words, we find why this woman here in the midday sun has been excluded by society. We see why she is gossiped about and hated by most. We see why she has been shunned in the culture. The Bible said Jesus tells her she had had five husbands in the course of her years, in her life. She had had five husbands. Now, Jewish law, under certain circumstances, would allow for a woman to have three husbands. Certain peculiar circumstances, she might, over the course of her years, have three husbands, but she had had five. Now, not just that, not only that, she now lived with the sixth man, and she saw no need to marry him. She no longer saw the need to keep up pretenses or appearances. And so not only did she be married to five husbands, the sixth man she was not married to. Now understand tonight, not only had she broken the acceptable norms of the culture, most importantly, she had broken the laws of God. And on this day at this well, she'd had five husbands, and now she was living with a sixth man, and she lived in her sin. She walked in the shame of her sin. She knew why she came at noon. She carried the guilt of her sin along with her as she trudged back with her water to town. Now I want you to think about what Jesus has done here. Pay attention to this. He has brought to light 
her sin. In fact, he has squarely set it before her. Now get this, hear me tonight. I want you to get this. Listen, be sure and get this tonight. Jesus, as the remedy for sin, loves us too much to leave us in sin. Now that's something I don't hear a lot. That's something we don't hear preached a lot. But listen, Jesus, as the remedy for sin, he's going to remedy in his own blood. Jesus, as the remedy for sin, he loves you and he loves me. He loves us too much to leave us in our sin. Sin causes trouble. Sin results in chaos. Sin results in pain and hurt. Sin, the Bible says, ends in death, and it always does. We may cover it up. We may explain it away, but sin always results in death. Without fail, that's what it does. And so Jesus, on a saving mission, Jesus, as the remedy for sin, loves us too much to leave us in it, and so he kindly brings it to light. Today in our day, we think that's the opposite of love. If you love somebody, that's not what you'll do. If you'll love somebody, that's, that's not what you would do. That's not what you would say. That's the opposite of grace. That's not real grace. Today we would say that's the opposite of kindness. A person that would do that, they're not being kind. And so when we ourselves or, or someone else is drowning in sin, and that's what we're doing, you're, you're drowning in sin, we try to look over the top of it. And we see somebody, maybe it's ourselves, and we're, we're being pulled into the water of sin, and we're sucking for air, and we're hurting. We try to act like we can't see it. We look over the top of it. We act like it's not there. We, we try to explain it away. Well, that's, that's not loving to point out somebody's sin. Listen, that is not Jesus. And for this woman in kindness, Jesus confronts her of her sin. In kindness, he's not going to let her sweep it away. You see what sweeping it away has done to her life. He sees how miserable she is. And so in kindness... He brings to attention her sin. Tonight, the best thing we can do, the best thing that, we, that can happen tonight, that could happen, is for us to see our sin. What do you mean by that? We want to, we want to go to church to, to praise Jesus. The best thing that could happen in this building, the best thing that could happen to any person hearing this message is that we would honestly see our sin, that we would see our public sin, that we would see our secret sin, that we would see the sin that's known all over town. We would see the sin that's secret, and we thought we got away with it. Tonight, the best thing that could happen is for our sin to stand right before our eyes and that we would see it tonight for what it is, a revolt against God, that we would see it for what it is, a denial and a rejection of his word, that we would see it for what it is, a trophy of our pride. Oh, that we would see our sin tonight. Oh, that you would, that we would see our sin tonight. You see, it's then and only then that we start to realize our need for a Savior for sin. A couple nights ago, I said that, you know, we won't ever see our Savior. We won't ever need our Savior until we see our sin. 
It's seeing our sin that we say, oh, the grace, the, the love of our Savior, that we love our Savior is when we see our sin. The greatest thing that could happen tonight is that we would see our sin. Verse 19. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you've said truly, verse 18, verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, when I first read verse 19, he tells her her sin, the sin of her life that he shouldn't have known about. And she says, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And I read that and I thought, Well, you think? You think you might be? But understand tonight, this is a big admission. Here's this stranger at the well. He's just a man, a stranger at the well. There's this one that's wearied from his travel, and she has already recognized he must be from God. He must be sent from God. I hear these things, and she says, Sir, you must be a prophet. You must be sent of God. Verse 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Let me explain this to you. The Jews worshiped in Jerusalem, the city of God, the city of David. It was the city where God promised to dwell. That's what he promised. And so the city of Jerusalem was where the Jews went to worship. Their holy mountain was where Abraham took Isaac. It was there in Jerusalem. And so that's where they went to worship. Well, the Samaritans had rewritten parts of the Torah. They had taken part of the Pentateuch, the Torah, and they had actually rewritten parts of it to say that the holy mountain was Gerizim, Mount Gerizim, that it was there where Abraham offered Isaac. And so they said Mount Gerizim was the holy mountain. And so they had taught, this is where we worship, not in Jerusalem, but here at Mount Gerizim. Well, here from this well, you can see Mount Gerizim. And so there, from this perspective, she decided this one must be sent from God. And so she says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And she points over to Gerizim. But you, your people, say Jerusalem is where you worship. Now, I want you to see something right here. She had just heard her sins laid out. She had just been confronted miraculously with the reality of her sin. He shouldn't have known those things, and yet he knew those things. She has just been confronted miraculously with her sin. There is no denying for her her guilt. Yes, the one that's at home is not even her husband. She can't deny her guilt, but she is content to move over her sin. She's content at this point not to address her sin, and so she decides at this point he must be of God. I'll admit that. And so she brings up this old religious debate. You must be from God. I don't want to deal with my sin. And so she brings up this old religious debate. Get this tonight. She wanted to overlook her sin. Jesus wanted to remedy it. She wanted to talk religion. He wanted to offer redemption. She wanted to stay where she was at. She was fine there. She wanted to stay where she was at. He wanted to give her salvation. She was okay that it was just a prophet. She was okay with that. He wanted her to meet the promise. 
She was used to playing games. That's how she lived her life. She was used to playing games. He wanted her to know his grace. She had gotten used to the ridicule in her life. She had adapted to deal with it. He wanted her to have his own righteousness. She had learned to live in loneliness. He wanted her to know she was oh so loved. Friends, listen to me tonight. That's what this story is about. Listen, woman of Samaria, your sins have hurt you. Your sins have marked you. Your sins have ruined you. You've learned to live alone. Whether you're with all these men or not, you're always alone. But there is a Savior and He sees you and He loves you. And in grace, on top of grace, on top of grace he has come to save you here at this well he's found this woman and she's fine she's found a way to hide it but he comes in his grace and he says I will lift this sin and shame off of you you want to know Jesus he's in his word you want to know Jesus he's at this well Oh, how he loves you. Verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mount nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Verse 21, Jesus cuts through the smoke screen. He says an hour is coming. In fact, it won't be long. An hour is coming when places won't matter. An hour is coming when we won't talk about mountains. Mountains will no longer matter. Verse 22. You worship what you do not know. Now listen to this. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Now let me explain verse 22. Verse 22, the best translation of the original language is this. He says to her, you, knew, you know who to worship. She knew the basic stuff. She, he says, you know who to worship, but you do not know him. And that's the best translation of that verse. The Savior, he's going to come for, from the Jews He's going to come for the world to save the world, but he's going to come out of these people. He's going to come from the Jews. And so he says here, you know who to worship, but you do not know him. I wonder in our day and in our local context, how many people that could apply to. I wonder how many people that could apply to. I wonder how many people know all the words. They know all the religious words. They know all the language. They can speak the language. They know all the names that they ought to know. They sing all the songs. Maybe the ones we've just been singing, they know the songs. Maybe they attend the services, but they do not know the Savior. You don't know Him. Verse 23 and 24. But an hour is coming and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Verse 24, God is spirit, not a spirit. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, Jesus says here, it's not these 
religious debates that we're going to talk about. It's not which mountain to go to that we're going to talk about. He says God desires true worship. Listen, friend, that still holds true. God desires true worship. That's what he seeks. He always has. And true worship, the Bible says, Jesus tells us, is done in spirit. God is spirit, and so we worship him in our spirit, not in a religious duty. We do walk in obedience, not in a bunch of intellectual facts. It is intellectual, not in a bunch of raw emotion. It is emotional, but with our very being, with our total being, we worship in Spirit. Listen, if you're worshiping, it's with all that you are. We worship in spirit. And then it says, and truth. Get this tonight. The truth matters. The truth of who we worship, it absolutely matters. Some say, I don't think it matters. It matters. The truth of our Savior, it matters. The truth matters. Today, I've heard this. Folks have said it to me. I hear other folks say it as well. Today, there is a mindless idea that God's word narrows our worship. Oh, look at all that doctrine. Oh, look at all this legalism. God's word narrows our worship. There's a mindless idea that God's word limits our worship, and you can't be confined by that old stuff. You got to set it aside. It's something new today. God's word limits our worship. No way, friend. God's word defines our worship. God's word expands our worship. In fact, God's word is what makes it worship. Let me tell you something. If you want to find a church great in worship, you find a church that is great in the word of God. If you want to find a place that's deep in worship, you find a people that are deep in the word of God. If you want to find a place with consuming worship, you find people that are consumed with the word of God. Verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Verse 25 at this point, either she's still not certain or for sure she's not serious. And here's what she says. She's heard all this and she's heard what Jesus has said. And her answer to, to the confrontation of her sin is to say, well, the Messiah is coming. And when he does, this will all work itself out. There's no need to panic now. He'll come. That's what she says. I'm not going to worry about it too much. He will come. And when he does, he'll have our answer. I wonder if she's ready to get home. I wonder if the sting of her sins got her ready to go. I wonder if this conversation has her looking to escape. And so she says, you know what? One day our Messiah will come. Then we'll worry about it. Then we'll have our answer. Then we will know. I want to tell you tonight, friend, I wonder how many people are the same today. They say someday... Someday I'll worry about it. Someday, maybe later, I've got things to do. I'm, I'm making a living right now. I'm, I'm making a name for myself. 
I know, I know, I know what I ought to do, but listen, someday the Messiah will come, and when he does, we'll deal with it then. I wonder how many folks fall into that same boat. I got plenty of time. Someday. You see, she was willing to hope in the Messiah, but she wasn't ready to actually live in light of the Messiah. Yeah, he'll come someday. She was, she was willing to hope in Messiah, but she wasn't ready to actually live in the light of the Messiah because she'd never met the Messiah. And I'll just tell you tonight, you can talk about Jesus, and you can talk about Jesus, and you can talk about all things Jesus, but it does not matter until you know Jesus. And so she said, well, he's coming one day. She was willing to live with the hope of that, but she didn't live in light of it. It didn't change how she lived. It didn't change her hope because she'd never met the Messiah. Listen to verse 26. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She met him. She met him. How about you tonight? Have you seen your sin tonight? Are you trying to play games and hide it, push it down the road some way, get used to it, get comfortable? Have you seen your sin tonight? Are you longing for the remedy for sin? We only have one remedy, it's Jesus. Seeing your sin, are you ready for somebody to forgive you that sin, the only one that can, Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Question of all questions, do you know Jesus? And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come, and I'm thankful for your truth. And I'm thankful that in this story I, I see who you are. I see that you're kind to sinners. I say that you're true. I see that you're true to your word. Your salvation's for all people. I see that you're true to your word, that no amount of sin, no sin can separate us from you. If we will turn to you and repent, if we will turn to you and trust, we will be saved, forgiven. I, I see the good news of your truth, your gospel tonight. Lord, what a Savior. I praise you. I thank you. Lord, I pray as we've heard this message tonight, I pray that we would see our sins. I pray for those that, that have never come and thought about this, that tonight they would see their sin. They would see the only answer, the only remedy for sin is Jesus. No, no good work, no good deed. That it's Jesus. And I pray that tonight they would turn to Jesus as the Savior, the remedy for sin for sinners. And tonight they would receive you in faith, our hope, our peace, our Savior. Lord, I pray for us in this room that are believers. I pray tonight that we would see our sin. We would see how even still our sin still separates us from you. And I pray that we'd be repulsed by our sin, sickened by our sin, not lulled to sleep in our sin. And I pray that in the same way we would turn to you and we'd repent, we'd trust you, we'd leave it with you, we'd seek your forgiveness. And I pray for both of those sets of folks, those that are turning to Christ the first time, those that are believers. We would walk out of here forgiven, redeemed, restored, renewed, made right, wearing the righteousness 
of a perfect Savior. And I pray the joy of both of us would lead a lost world to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you move tonight. I ask you that I have nothing to demand of you, but I ask you that you would move tonight. I pray for those that are hearing this very message, that tonight they would turn to you, seeking you, the remedy for sin. Lord, we come and we just tell you again, thank you. We tell you we love you. We tell you we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you the good news is this, this is still true. This is an ancient account, but this is still our Savior. And this is still our hope. It's still our good news. And it's offered to you tonight. The 20th night, it's offered to you. The Bible says of no work of your own, but by faith in Jesus, if you'll repent of your sin, it means to turn and leave it and turn to Jesus, turn to him. If you'll trust in him as your Savior, claim him as your Lord, the Bible says this, you shall be saved. Listen, do it tonight. Do it tonight. If you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fallen in believers' baptism, I want to give you an opportunity to come and, and set a day to testify, this is what I believe of Jesus. Maybe you're one and you'd say, you know what, I don't, I don't know what I believe in the past. I don't know why one time I, might, I went to a camp or I went to a VBS and I made a decision, but I don't know. But tonight I do know. I would encourage you tonight, settle it tonight. Don't leave here without it settled. Settle it tonight. If that's your testimony tonight, come. We'll set a day for your baptism. Be a great day of celebration. If you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it, you believe God has led you here, you come. We'll uphold his word. We'll preach his gospel till he comes back again for his glory. Maybe tonight you want to come and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. We're not in a hurry to get anywhere. This is our chance to respond to the truth of God's word. We're going to stand and sing. If you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. If you have questions, you come on. I'll meet you here. So we step out and sing. You come on. You come on.